Hello and welcome to another episode of Fool's Daily. I am joined, as seemingly normal these days, by the lovely Mr. Matthew Spooner. So sleepy. And a special guest star from the wilds of Leicestershire, it's Mr. Joel Henry. Hello, hello, hello. Um, he is a Joel. bloody northerner, though, really, isn't he? It, well, he, yeah, he says he's from Yorkshire. He doesn't sound Absolutely. like he's from, he doesn't sound like he's from Yorkshire, and he's not tight. Um, <laughs> no, <laughs> as as I'm sure the figures and comfort boys will be glad of, and girls. There's probably girls there too, but ladies, women. <laughs> what are you getting on about? I don't want I'm to be like, misogynist. Dig himself a hole. <laughs> I don't want to be a misogynist by bad mouthing ladies within the industry. Okay. I wouldn't want to defame them by calling them girls because I don't call boys boys. So I apologise if I caused any offence. Oh, okay, this right, this this is interesting. This that actually brings a point. Why are all the Olympic presenters, and let's face it, all the BBC Olympic pre- presenters are women? Why are they calling the female athletes girls? I mean, yeah, yeah. some of the um, in some cases it's true, I guess, because some of the athletes are only sixteen. You know, the gymnasty people. Yeah, but I'm, I'm thinking specifically about the hockey team, mm. for example. Claire Balding asked the coach, "Where can these go- girls go next?" The cyclists—they all refer to them as the girls. I mean, both. People like Sir Chris Hoy, mm-hmm. who a renowned cyclist, Chris Boardman. Um, he's he's been on a bike a bit as well. He was quite good at one point. Yeah. Um, but also, um, you know, Claire Balding again because she was presenting mm. cycling. I, is it just a thing in media presentation? I think it's just the laziness in media presentation. Um. In my experience, my professional experience, some ladies in the workplace find being referred to as girls as demeaning. Right. You see, that's why so I was it's, it's something that I endeavour to not do. Um, Infantilises them. Yeah. And you know, it's there's there's if it causes offence, we shouldn't say it. So if I've caused offence, I apologise. It certainly wasn't with intent. But you always cause offence. Yeah, but not. I'm not a sexist. I'm a twat. So that's different. <laughs> I don't know. Can you say that on this show? Twat. Yeah. Joel. What's the uh, classroom I'm gonna, test? I'm going to let him have that one. Is that an acceptable? Is, would that be acceptable? Okay. I'd, I'd suggest it's borderline, but it's it's. I wouldn't call it an expletive. Okay. Right then. So, the reason that we've got Joel on is because. We had a day out today. Yeah, we're off the leash. Yeah, we all got we all got a day out. We did, and and all Matt and I had to do was look after his son, <laughs> which is a challenge enough in itself. <laughs> it was a little at times. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, he's a, he's a nice little chap. It's his first war game show. It was. So we went to Partisan or the other Partisan. Yes. Because um, technically, first partisan normally falls around the Maybank holiday weekend, I believe. Yeah, 
Isn't, but this one's slightly... Didn't this used to be in September? It used to be the first weekend in September, or traditionally is the first weekend in September, so I'm assuming that there must be a clash of timings or something that's brought that one forward. But it always used to be, in effect, the same weekend as the opening of the Rugby Premiership, that first weekend in September. Yeah. It could be to do with how well they could get the venue. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. So anyway, so we went to the other part of the land. So Joel drove down, we drove across. Up. Up. Anyway. Uh, is it up? Still of course it's up. Nottingham's north of me. Oh, I suppose it is for you, yeah. Um, to the Newark Showgrounds, uh, which are a very nice venue, actually. Mm. And the show was in one of the halls. Yes. Yep. Um, and it was your typical war game show, I'd have thought. Pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, it was four pounds for an adult to get in, two yep. pounds for a concession. I'm not a hundred percent convinced that a five-year-old boy, six, six. Sorry, I'm sorry, Sam. A six-year-old boy um, should even have counted as a concession. But <laughs> we nevertheless, paid. two adults and one child came to ten pounds, which is half the cost of one person getting into salute. Yes. Which is fair point. <laughs> and certainly from the bigger vendors, most of the same big vendors were there. Yeah. Parking was free. Parking was excellent. Um, really, really good parking. Immediately adjacent to the venue, which again is not something you get at the Excel. Well, there are some car parks. If you're lucky, you can get on the close to the venue, but they're certainly not bloody free. No. £15 paying... pounds for the freaking day. Yeah, so... So free it was in a hospital, god damn it. Free parking, nice big hall. Um our first stop, because Matt is blessed in that department, was the toilets. <laughs> <laughs> I'd needed a wee since Sutton Bridge, which for those of a geographical bent persuasion, I'd probably sat quietly with a distended bladder for over an hour because I knew if as soon as I said I could really do with a wee, Mike would take the Mickey about my Need for constant urination. What did you do the first thing you came, when you did when you got to my house? And we? How far is it from your house to my house? Thirty minutes. <laughs> I'd had one before I left as well. <laughs> thing is, I had, did you had have another one, one before we got to his? Did you have another one when you got to your house as well? Well, when I got in. Yeah, half an hour after Mike. Uh, yes. <laughs> So, it wasn't Matt's six-year-old going, can I stop and have a wee-wee? It was Matt. But we did, and then we, we had a nice wander around, um, did a couple of laps, first mm-hmm. to see everything that was there, second to buy stuff. Um, I thought it was pretty good overall. Yeah, plenty to see there. Um, you know, people like... Uh... Annie, Dice Bag Lady, uh, had a lot of stuff there. The Ainsty stuff was, you know, expansive, <laughs> quite a lot there. And plenty of other little bits and pieces of the demonstration games, which I hadn't seen before, uh, which was nice to have a look at. I hadn't seen the Conflict 47 stuff before uh, in the flesh, and that was nice to have seen. Yes. Yes, Clockwork, Gob- Clockwork Goblin. There was a big Warlord Games area, mm-hmm. um, which they sort of then subdivided out. So... There was effectively a Conflict 47 zone 
uh, where the Clockwork Goblin guys were demoing Conflict 47. Um, and they had all the painted mechs and stuff. I actually think they look better in real life than they do in the photos. Yeah, the pictures don't really do them justice. Yeah, totally agree. Not not just in paint job, but I think in kind of pose, heft, dimension, the the physicality of the model. I don't think you get really a, a that's not conveyed particularly well in the pictures. Yes. The thing I'm, about mechs, you need to have bulk to them, don't you? That's what sells them on the tabletop. And you can't tell bulk for bulk really from a photo. Yes, and due to the va- due to the vagaries of the recording schedule, this episode will be come out before we talk about Conflict Forty Seven. But um, okay, uh, has it changed your view? For, so, in an interesting time paradox that could end the universe, if you had to tell Future Mike, yes, whether that whether you would be more enamoured than past. Mike that will become future Mike thought he would be about Conflict 47. I don't know what I'm saying. The answer is yes, if I can just do mechs and stuff. Yeah. That, I mean, that's my issue. Is why, what I want is a game of... And, you know, I'm sure there are people just saying, well, play Battletech then. <laughs> yeah, but Battletech, Battletech sucks balls. I've not ever had good success with finding a decent version of it, I must admit. Um, and the way you were going with success then. Um, yes. Yes. No, it does. So, if I can, if I if if the Russian mechs look as good as the American ones, mm-hmm. then I then I'll be sorely tempted. And frankly, looking at the American mechs, the big grizzly ones, yeah, I'd be tempted to buy those. To be honest, yeah. Um, I quite fancy the idea of very limited infantry. Yeah. And big mechs just fighting each other. I think that mm-hmm. looks pretty cool. Can the game be played with zero infantry? Well, it could be a well, full house call it. The force organisation chart means you have to have two squads of infantry per support choice. But from a house rule point of view, when it's me playing his lordship, the Lord of Malifaux, we're going to put mechs on the table, loads of mechs, lots and lots of mechs, maybe the old tank or two, and... Find a tree. Yeah, sounds alright to me. Yeah, the it was it it looked good. the The stuff that they had out was interesting. The Sherman with the Tesla cannon was that looks spanky. It mm. did look a ni- It was a nice model, and the pa- again the paint job in real life is much nicer than the photos in the rule book. Yeah. Um. So that so they had a nice big area. Um, Foundry had a good stand. Um, they were pushing Congo, which everybody was pushing. There was a lot yeah, of Congo everywhere. about. There was. I mean, it was Congo. It was almost as if if you went to a show last year, Frostgrave was everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. This year, there were. There were a few vendors that had the Frostgrave figures, and then there was one vendor, um, which was Nick's Nick at North Stars area, yeah. um, which was by where Carl was demoing open combat. Mm-hmm. Um, they had the Frostgrave books and stuff, but there was a lot less 
there were a lot fewer vendors selling Frostgrave this year, I thought. Because all of those vendors were selling Congo instead. And due to the vagaries of the recording schedule... Yes. (laughs) There'll be a chat about Congo later as well. Oh, dear. So, if you could say, current Mike, if you could tell future Mike... I don't need to tell future Mike stuff. It's future Matt that needs to be told. Okay, future Matt. What does current Matt have to say to future Matt about Congo? Don't worry about buying anything. Mike has bought it all. (laughs) (laughs) This is probably right. So, yeah, I mean, Congo was was everywhere. um, With people selling rules packs. um, So you had... You obviously had the Foundry stuff with um, their Darkest Africa range that uh, Lord Copplestone sculpted Mm -hmm. back in the day. But then you had... Nick from Foundry, oh, sorry, Nick from North Star Miniatures, who is now selling the Cobblestone Ranges, and Cobblestone did a whole range of packs of Darkest Africa stuff when he once he'd left Foundry that effectively fill in the gaps in the Foundry Ranges. Yeah, and they had all of those, and then there were other companies that were selling, you know, African figures that would fit. Yeah. So. And then on the Ainsty stand, there were Congo books at the bottom and Ainsty rain, you know, resin terrain that would work with Congo stuff. So, I mean, of the, I mean, those were two. I mean, I saw other Conflict Forty Seven stuff around. I saw lots of Congo stuff. Those were probably the two games I saw most of across various stands. Because as well as you know, you had Warlord there that were carrying the stuff with. Clockwork Goblin. That's enunciated very clearly because I don't do so well in the next episode where we talk about Cockwork Goblin. Um, but there was there was stuff around. There was the starter boxes and stuff on several different stands, um, and the Congo stuff was pretty much ubiquitous all around many many of the stands. So you know, due to the vagaries of the recording pattern, we may have already have in the can episodes about those two rule sets. Yes. It's almost like we are preemptors of all things that are good and holy. Yes. So the other one I saw in a few places was one called Team Yankee. That's a Flames of War um, version. That's a, in effect, it's the modern Flames of War version. Yeah, that was you know on several different stands as well. It seems to be yeah, this other ubiquitous the, thing. It's one, I think it's one of the things that makes Partisan and the... I'm going to say smaller shows stand out more from Salute is that you get a lot more historicals, I think, at Mm. Partisan and those shows than you do at Salute. Salute is much, you get much, because you get the big players there, you tend to get much more what us on this conversation would call mainstream gaming. So there was no... If you think back to Salute, that massive guild ball stand yeah. that they yeah. had. There was no guild ball. I didn't see any guild ball for sale. No, no. At not a single model. But then down in the far corner were all of the Perry historicals. Yeah. yeah. And I don't remember seeing those at Salute. They were there, but had probably certainly no more... Um, of a frontage than they had at Partizan. Um, they probably had a bigger frontage at Salute because they had two stands. They had one that was just selling their plastic 
box sets. Oh, I don't remember. Now a lot of the I plastic. Them. Yeah, a lot of the plastic box sets today were being sold by um, Dave. What's his face? Dave Thomas. Yes. So, um, I mean, I've been going to Partizan on and off since late 80s, early 90s, I guess. And it is, it has always been a sta- uh, staunchly, and stoutly, staunchly um, historical show with a smattering of other stuff. And I think largely it's remained that I would suggest the, the, the historical stuff, whereas historically it would have occupied kind of 90% of the stalls. It may be down to kind of 75, 70%, um, but it still is the predominance. Um, if you looked at the demo and participation games, over half were of a historical bent. Yeah, I yeah. mean, at one end you had um, the two fat lives stuff. Yeah. Um, I'm not, were they doing, was it Sharp's practice they were demoing? It yeah. was, yeah. Um, and then you can move through the thing. I mean, what what did we see? We saw a massive um, naval action game that was laid yeah. out on a really, really long table, and all of yeah. the ships of line were just in line. Interestingly, yeah. um, yes, naval war gaming. <laughs> um, oh, I've just thought of a stand I didn't go to. Ah, oh! who did you forget? The one with those really cool steampunk boring machines. Oh, yeah. Oh, um, the ironclad. Ironclad? Ste- ironclad yeah. Or, yeah, ironclad miniatures. Oh, curses. Oh, well, they'll be at Derby Worlds. <laughs> they will? Yeah. yeah. And you go, you could, but you could go through. There were several games that I saw with using um, one thirty-second scale figures. Yeah. Um, to provide big elements, and so therefore we're playing on bigger, t- you know, effectively scaled up tables. Yeah. Um, kind me- of old school style. Yeah, thing. yeah, there was quite a lot of old school type, a lot of World War Two scenario games being yeah. played. I don't know what rule sets they were using, but there was a, there were a lot. There was, a, there was a three or four different rule sets in play. Oh, there were a lot of I those. Quite, I quite like the look of the um, MC University broomstick race. Game that was going on the participation that was quite good fun. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, um, I saw there was a Seven Years War game. There was a Sudan game. The, yeah, the Sudan game was the one was the one I was just thinking was just the one I was just thinking about with the Mardi. Yeah. There was some Project Z stuff out as well. There were a couple of boards of that around. Oh yes, over really? by the over by Warlord Games there was some Project Z. Yeah. There were yeah. Project Z boards. Yes. Um, yes, because we looked at we were looking at the figures and talking about them for post-APOC. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was nice. Not a lot of um, laser-cut terrain companies. Most of the stuff that I saw was things like Sarissa um, that were being sold effectively by third parties. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, that they, they had a few bits and stuff. Um, but it was, it, was, it was good. It was a nice show. I mean, we got caught up with people that we haven't seen for a little while. Um, Great Escape Games seem to be doing a roaring business in the corner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Foundry were Foundry were busy. I picked up some paints, and I may have picked up a um, a second Congo Force. So now that I, <laughs> well, now I've got two two forces. You see. Mm-hmm. Um, Listen up, future Matt. Keep hands away from the wallet. You don't. Need it. Mark's got two forces. Which I might glue the second one together tomorrow. 
Um, Although Future Matt did find his um, English Sudan type figures that he's had for about 20 years from Redoubt, so there may be a little force there that will get used anyway. Excellent. Well done, Future Matt. He's a handsome fellow as well. Yeah. Um, and my big purchase was a new figure case. Oh, really? Did you buy a new figure case? I did buy a new figure case. How much did you spend on your new figure case? Not as much as other people did. <laughs> did somebody else buy a new figure case? Joel Henry. I'm blaming Mike. <laughs> totally his fault. Yeah. So I, ne- I was in the market for a new figure case, um, and I was going to look at the KR cases, and as we were walking around, I saw that uh, figures in comfort were there. And I've used mm. figures in comfort uh, foam in the past. And I like it because it's not just foam. It has effectively a sort of a hard, harder, PV, denser oh, PVC. Yeah, it's almost a bit like neoprene kind of yeah. in the base. And or so, as the base. And it, so it means that when you lift a tray out, the tray is rigid. It, you know, you lift a KR, a KR tray out. And, and it bends like a banana. And it will bend yeah. and all your figures will fall out. You lift one of these trays up. So I went and I was t- I was chatting with the guy, and I decided that I would get one. And um, yes, it was it was pricey. It was sixty quid for my case, um, but that includes a custom loadout of foam. You basically get to pick the trays that you want. Um, and I, when I got home and I was going through the figure cases that I already have that I'm basically replacing, I was going, oh look. This tray is already a chaos, is already a uh, figs and comfort, comfort tray, so I can just put it straight on my new case. That's good. So That's you've nice. got some redundancy there within your trays as well, then. Yeah, and um, I'm going to get um, a looking at it. What I'm going to end up doing is I'm actually think I'm going to consolidate all of the figures, bar my Malifaux figures, yeah. into um figures and comfort trays and then I, yeah. when I'm going to an event I can just load up the trays you need whatever I'm going to play so I'm going to I need to get another couple of trays so I can put my um, saga forces in it yeah but I've loaded up all of my uh, dragon rampant figures into it fit alright sorry fit alright yeah they fit fine yeah so 60 quid seems quite expensive doesn't it Joel well, nah it's reasonable <laughs> As I went for the next size up. So Joel, Joel saw my case and went, "Oh, I was thinking of getting a case." And I basically dragged Joel over to the figures and comfort thing, and at gunpoint made me. I, I did. I held you down with a big, big katana at your throat, um, and did the guy who was running the figures and comfort stand job for him, and basically sold Joel a case. Along with all the foam, <laughs> but but on the plus side, I've transferred everything over from my battle foam bag, and that filled about a third, and that was a full, over full battle foam bag, where you know I was having, I was models were a bit too tightly crammed, mm. and I was getting occasional things knocked off bases as a result. Yeah, and you wouldn't want to be putting uh, fragile models such as, I don't know, kind of mechanised mosquitoes into a fragile case, would you? No, I need plenty of space for something like that. Um, so, yeah, um, I've not only got managed to get that stuff in, I managed to get uh, put a lot of other models in that I've played this year, uh, which are crews that were, you know, like the Vicks, uh, like uh, Seamus, Molly, Von Schill, 
And I put all those in as well, and I've still got the equivalent of about two trays untouched. Excellent. Two and a half trays untouched. So um, there's plenty of space for me to fit the Wave 4 Mifo stuff in there as well. Brilliant. Um, yeah, and it's it, it fits really nicely. I'm very happy with it. Cool. It's a nice, they are nice cases. Um, and they have a five-year guarantee against material mm. defects, so you can't go wrong with that. Not really, no. So, um, so that was that was so that was my major purchase with a case. I bought I bought some figures. I bought some uh, paints and stuff as well, but nothing. Yeah, that was my major practical one. <laughs> but my major fun one was I found a, a MDF kit for a ship, a Gallium, which will be a really good size to use the display base for Zip to be the infamy. Because you can't have a Sky Pirate which goes on about his airship across all his upgrades without actually having an airship. Now, this isn't an airship. It's a it's a Gallium. So I've worked and found some other bits to do some conversion so that I can um, have it in the air. So I just need to work out a way of getting some rotor blades on top of the masts. It's funny you knew someone who ran a laser cut company. And who was already kindly offered to cut stuff down for me. Handy that, isn't it? Um, just going to draw and, you know, draw and design them now. And, uh, yeah, I think that'll look cool with rotors rather than a big dirigible. Take a look at um, the rotor designs for orc deathcopters in 40k. Oh, and like then, the kind and, of spiky sort of chisel effect. And then effectively scale that up. Yeah, pretty much. I probably have two or three um, two or three pairs of rotors on each mast. Yeah. I'm assuming and visualising something not entirely a long step away from a shield heli carrier. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a bit more, um, a bit more golden hind. Yeah. yeah. Sort of all wooden sort of... Uh, you know, 1600s boat. Um, but yeah, with then conversion with like rotary propellers and I'll add some uh, metal work to it as well and some turrets perhaps. It looks a very nice we'll thing. Mm. Yeah, it, it seems like it go together quite well. Mm. Just need some uh, pianos as well. Yes, Doll's House stuff, pianos, that's happening. And, then, and as I, since I got home, I saw about getting some stuffed pig guts on parachutes as well. To get mm. pushed out of it. Nice. Nice, yeah, no, I can see that. Um, I saw a couple of things that I'd never seen before. Um, like what? I can't even remember the name of the company. This is why I should have taken my phone out and photographed things. Those mechanical men that we saw. Oh, um, the Iron Men. Yes. Do you remember what company that was? <sighs> If I look, actually, it doesn't matter because I can look at the partisan, the trader's trader sheet and just go, because I know where it is. It's next to Perry. It was over near the Empire of the Dead stuff, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's one step up for them and by, over in the corner by the Perry's, so I can look them up. But I saw those, and as I was coming away, um, as we were driving home, I'm thinking, because I couldn't think of a time what something to use them for because they don't look right for. Um, my in Her Majesty's name stuff, mm. but I came up with something for them, which is in Seven TV because they make perfect nineteen sixties TV robots. I oh men, yeah, they would, wouldn't they? Men in suits, yeah, because you could see those in Doctor Who or something. Oh, definitely that kind of you know the the bad set designed tinfoil version. Yes, yeah. 
So, um, I think I might get some of those for um, a 7TV thing, because I've been thinking about... Uh, I want to sort of do some more 7TV, because I really like it. And I've been thinking about um, something for DAFCON next year, which is less than a year away now. So I'm having to start to think about it. But I've got an idea for a... Effectively a... It's a participation game, but it's not a participation game. If you, you know, it's not as rigid as a participation game is. Trent miniatures. Is that who it was? Uh, I'm just no, having a look. No, it was the other way. It's down that end. T20. Pass four bases. Empress miniatures. Grubby tanks. Arcane. That's what I'm just having a look. That's right. I'll, I'll find it later. But so I've got this idea for three different, effectively three different games that you progress through in a sort of a campaigny way, and one of them would use those sorts of robots. So I think that might be quite cool. That's uh, I, I, it's an idea. Um, so what did you guys think of the venue? Um, I thought it was awesome, actually. Um, plenty of space. There was a cafe on site. that had a variety of stuff. They had a, a bar as well and a bit of seating. Um, temperature was good. Space was good. Sound was fine. Yeah. Yeah, I thought the, yeah, the sound, I thought the sound was excellent, actually. It wasn't too deafening and stuff. Because I think it would be a good place to use for running, you know, potentially future events and stuff. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, mean, I, I kind of liked Kellum Hall. So it's the first time I've been to one that wasn't at Kellum Hall. Um, I don't know. It seems smaller, and I don't know if that's because the ones I've been into, and I've not been for sort of four or so years, so it's been a while, um, were kind of spread over, what, about six different rooms? At Kellum? Yeah. Yes. So I guess it, it felt smaller, but that could just be a trick of geography. Um. I guess it suffered the same thing as Salute did for me when Salute had first moved to the Excel from, uh, where, did, where was it beforehand, Olympia. Yeah. In the fact it, I mean, in effect, it was a big hangarish or hangaresque type building, and initially it just felt a little soulless. It didn't, it didn't so. have the same, yeah, I just don't think it had the same intimacy Oh, it certainly, it certainly didn't have the same inter, inter, intimacy, but you had space to move around. And it was light, and that has always been a constant criticism of Partisan at Kellum, is it was always so dull and dark, you couldn't really see yeah, I mean, um, particularly well. It's a great I, venue. I didn't, I, didn't used to go to, I didn't used to go to Partisan. We used to go to um, Colours in Reading, yeah. which used to be at the Hexagon. And it was it was um, split over multiple rooms, and you just could because it was in multiple rooms. You couldn't plan a sensible route around, yeah. And so you couldn't see everything. And you get that at um, Vapor as well, yeah. Because you're on the different floors and stuff. It's actually quite easy to miss certain things, and you get the little oh, narrow pinch points, yeah. Yeah, and only certain stairs go up and down with it as well, which is a bit annoying. So you yeah. get dead ended at Vapor. But it felt but, actually quite like the Derby War Games show for the way out. It's a similar it kind of building. Sim- it is similar to Derby War Games show, actually. 
But I thought I thought it was, I thought it was good because you, you know you could we do, we did two circuits. You got there was plenty of room. I mean, yeah. there, it was busy. All the stalls seemed to have people doing all the all the people doing demos and things. We had a quick word with Carl from from Second Thunder, um, and you know he was busy demoing stuff away. Yeah. And stuff. So you know he had a, he'd had a busy he was having a busy day. So it seemed to it seemed to be busy, and yet. Um, there was there was room and yeah there wasn't stench and no in fairness I didn't smell one person no neither did I actually. not one not one bad person the only smell I felt was the the wash of manly musk and love that cascaded over me when my mate Mark came up and said hello I wondered if you were going to talk about that <laughs> he practically ran across. Across the room. This is how I'm going to remember it. He practically <laughs> ran across the room, lifted me off my feet in a in a manly bear hug. Yeah, I don't quite remember it. Sim. I don't remember it that way either. But if if Matt wants to remember it that way, that's fine. Well, so that's, that was part of something. Would you go again? Yes, definitely. Right. Okay. Well, which is pretty, which is pretty much all. They can hope for really is, is we'll te- that we'll turn up again and add know, it to my list actually now. See what the new game, the next gaming hotness is. I think we'll probably add it to ours to be honest because it was it's a it's a longish journey but it's simple. Mm. Yeah. It's it's a local show for us really. Yeah, it is to be honest. It's, a, it's as local as any other shop. Living living in middle of nowhere that is true. All right then. Well, so that was partisan. Yeah. Um, Next one will be May, I'm guessing. Yes. Um, it is partisan 2017. You can follow them. On, you can find them on Facebook. Yes, you can, or on their website, which is partisan. That's with a Z. dot org. dot uk. Its next show is on the 21st of May, 2017. Look at me, all organised and shizzle. You is the best. And just for continuity, the other part of 2017 is on the 20th of August 2017. Get it in your calendars now so you don't mess it up with kids and girlfriends and work and the complicated lifestyles that we lead as non-retired laser-cutting buffoons. That's not overlapping with DEFCON, is it, next time? Yes, uh, uh, no. 20th of August. It's the weekend after. It's the weekend okay, after. Cool. That'll be fine. It is. Right then. I think on that note. Yeah. Um, I've been Mike. I've been Matt. And I've been Joel. We'll speak to you again soon. Bye bye. You can contact Fools Daily on Twitter. We're at Fools Underbar Daily or via email foolsdaily at outlook.com. <laughs>